Thank you for joining our podcast from New Life Church Greenbrier. If you're joining us for the first time, we would love to know about it. Just text Greenbrier to 88000 and fill out one of our Connect cards. Now, let's listen in to today's message. All right, all right. Well, good morning, New Life Church. Man, it is so good to see you guys. They had to start playing a bumper video between me looking at all the new people coming back to church and me speaking, allowing me to gather myself so I'm not snotting all over everybody like I was last weekend. I have to admit, last weekend had to be the most encouraging weekend that I've had as a pastor. And the reason I say that is because as I look out in the audience, even today, and I see so many of our families making it back, man, it is so good to see you guys. I've missed you. We're glad you're here. And also, I'm glad we're kicking off our family series. I'll try to make this message extremely short. Apparently, I went too long the last service because they started letting the aroma, the hot dogs, the hamburgers fill the room. So one way to speed Tim up speaking is just get him hungry. He'll get off the stage a lot quicker. But we're going to kick off our family series this morning, and it's going to go for five weeks, and we're going to cover a lot of difficult topics. In fact, I'm going to step on some toes this morning, so I'm going to go ahead and prepare you for that. But I'm excited because we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about raising kids. We're going to talk about singleness over the next five weeks. We're actually having two arranged marriages next weekend, right? No, I'm kidding. That was a joke. She's trying to see if you guys were paying attention. Some of one lady looked over and said, is he serious? It's the first time to church. They're not coming back next week. I need to work on my opening a little bit, I guess. You know what? There is no such thing as a perfect family. Would you agree with that? There is no such thing. In fact, a lot of our family come with disclaimers, right, when we introduce them. Hey, this is so-and-so, but none of my family that's here today comes with a disclaimer. I'm just going to tell you that right now. But I'm excited for what God is going to do. But I do know this. I know that it has never been more important than it is today for us to keep God and the Word of God in the center and the forefront of our family. Would you agree? Proverbs 24, 3 through 4 tells us, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with a rare and beautiful treasures. A healthy home is not built by itself, guys. It takes work. And if there's anything that this season has taught us or revealed to us, is it's time to roll our sleeves up. Would you agree? The problem is simple. The family today is under attack. If you don't mind, let me pray over her service. Father, I thank you so much for everything that you're doing. And God, I thank you right now that we don't have to listen to what the world tells us a family is supposed to look like. No, we can go to your word and show us what a family is meant to be. God, your word tells us what we are to do when we mess up and we make mistakes, how we are to get back on track. So this morning, Father, I pray that you soften the hearts and you open the ears of every person in this room. Holy Spirit, speak through this message. Let it be your message and not mine. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We have to fight for our families. We're going to have to do that. So how do we do that? The first thing you have to do if you're going to fight for your family, church, is you have to know who you're fighting. You have to know your opponent. If you're taking notes, that's number one. 1 Peter 5.8 said, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There is a declaration of war against the family right now. But I have some good news for you. It's not a surprise attack. 2 Corinthians 2.11 tells us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Your fight is not with your spouse. 
Some of you need to hear that this morning. Your fight right now is not with your family. No, your enemy is the enemy. The word tells us we don't fight against flesh and blood. John 10.10 says the thief comes to only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that there may be life and have it to the full. The devil wants to tear your family apart. Listen to me. He wants to destroy your family. Real encouraging message this morning, right? Glad I could help you guys out and I go eat a hamburger. No. Listen, there is an enemy. And the enemy wants nothing more right now in this season than to bust you up and to tear you up and to tear you apart and to break you down. Ephesians 6.12 says, our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. John 8.44 tells us, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. We have to know who our enemy is if we're going to create a defense against them, right? You'll hear a lot of times, the best offense is a good defense. Wars are won based upon knowing who your enemy is. Today, I want to challenge you. I'm going to challenge the men today. I'm just preparing you. Get ready. Start squirming in your seats right now. We have to make a decision. And we're going to fight for our families. And then we're not going to be passive. We're not going to go through this life just with a passive approach. No, we are going to go on the offensive. If you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to do me a favor. Turn to the book of Nehemiah and go to chapter 4. Now, I want to set this up just a little bit. You'll see here in just a little bit that the city of Jerusalem was meant to be the city of God. It was a place where God's presence, his glory, his mercy... And power would dwell. But because of sin, its walls have been torn down. Homes destroyed, wrecked, unprotected. But I want you to see this today. As we walk through this scripture, you're going to see that Nehemiah found hope. He found hope. God gave him a burden for his people and the family. He gave him a purpose and a vision to rebuild a desolate city. Let me just say this. God's in the business of rebuilding. He can rebuild your marriage. He can rebuild your family. He can rebuild some relationships that this season or the past 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or 50 years has tore down. God's in the business of rebuilding, but we have to allow him to do it. Nehemiah 4.1 says, Now when Sanballat heard that they were building the wall, he heard that Nehemiah had started building, rebuilding the wall that was tore down from the sin. He heard about it. He didn't like it. He was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. Jeered just simply means to make rude or mocking remarks. Just get down to verse 7, though. It says, But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. This is what I want you to make you understand. The world right now is jeering at Christ's followers. They're attacking our families. Trying to redefine the basic building blocks of a home. There is an enemy, but the enemy is not sitting next to you. 
Have you noticed many people last weekend made the decision that they had been away from God for a season, for a while? Many people last weekend raised their hand, personally made a decision. They said, you know what? We had forgotten what we missed. We didn't realize how important authentic relationships were. We didn't realize how much we needed to get back in God's word. We didn't realize how much we had missed coming together and worshiping together. And they made a decision last weekend that they'd be back this weekend. When you made that decision, have you noticed that all week everything in the world is trying to prevent you from being here? You see, when you're isolated, when you're withdrawn, when you're away, well, the enemy doesn't worry about that. You're not a threat. But when we make a decision to step forward, we're going to put God in the center of our life and come back to his word and not, face, not be following the world, then we become someone that can make a difference in our community. Hear me on this. The opinions of our culture should never be treated as a higher authority than the truth of the word of God. And we'll say that again. The opinions of our culture the opinions of our culture should never be treated as a higher authority than the truth of the Word of God. The Word of God is very clear. It tells us what a marriage is supposed to look like. We see it in Genesis 2:24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, not two people going separate ways, living their own life. One. It tells us what gender is supposed to look like. Genesis 1.27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Husbands, love your wives. It tells us in Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Men, some of you today need to give yourself up for your wife. Wives, Ephesians 5.22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, that's not saying be a doormat. No, that's not what it's saying at all. Children, sons, daughters, it tells you in 6.1, Ephesians 6.1, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. I'll tell you, however, over the past year, there's no doubt that there's been a lot of confusion when it comes around these topics. Anytime we make God's word an option, anytime that we make God's word, the truth, optional in our families or in our life, there will be breaches in the walls of our homes. Let me say that again. Anytime that we make the truth, God's word, optional, uh, we'll take what we like, not what we don't. When we make it optional, there are gonna be breaches in the walls of your home of your family. You know, we talk about a foundation. If you decide to build a home, the most important thing that you can do is focus on the foundation. Because it doesn't matter what happens above the surface. If you don't focus on the foundation and make sure that your foundation is solid, you can put the nicest brick, the fanciest rock, the perfect paint, all the right colors, you can pick all the right fixtures, have the biggest, prettiest, fanciest chandelier, but over time, cracks are gonna to begin to form in the walls. It's because the foundation is not solid. But here's the good news. When you build a home, after you build the foundation, well, 
It's kind of hard to go back and change a foundation because everything's already built up. But on the foundation of your life and in your home, you can fix it. You can go back. You can dig deeper. But it's going to take work. But here's the hope. We see in Nehemiah 1.9, but if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, do you get the magnitude of this? Even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, no matter what you've done, no matter how far away you are, no matter the mistakes that you've made, no matter where you're at, even to the end of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. I am praying and believing that there are people today that if you've drifted off course, that you will come back to the place that he will be honored. God wants to bring our families back to its original design. I believe that. To have a home where there's peace, it's prevalent, where there's joy. But I'm going to tell you what, the key to it is we have to go on the offense. We can't just be passive. As we kick this series off, I want you to know that there is hope. There's hope in your family. There's hope for your marriage. There's hope for these relationships that you feel like are torn down. It's not too late. But we're going to have to fight for them. It's going to take some work. We're going to have to roll our sleeves up and get to it. Nehemiah 4.14 says, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Nehemiah is saying, we got to fight. Forget what they're saying. Don't listen to them. Church, there's going to be naysayers in your life. It's going to happen. And I want you to hear this. When you make the decision that you're going to begin to build your, you're going to dig down deep and you're going to work on the foundation of your, your marriage or your home or your personal life. Maybe you're single. Maybe, maybe you're not married yet. Maybe, maybe you have the gift of singleness. But when you make the decision, you're going to have people around you that are going to be the naysayers. I want you to be very careful of who you're listening to. Listen, if, if it's your marriage, for example, are you taking advice from a couple that's been married 35 or 40 years, like there are many of them here in this room today? Or are you taking advice from your single friend that's been divorced four times that really just wants somebody to go party with them on Saturday night? Who are you listening to? Because I can tell you it's important to make sure that you have godly friendships and godly relationships. That's the reason that we're cooking burgers today. That and I like burgers. Hot dogs, they're good stuff. We want you to hang out. We want you to create these relationships because guess what? There's going to be storms. There's going to be difficult times. There's going to be seasons that we go through. Believe it or not, there's, there's pandemics that actually make you close the doors of a building of a church. There's going to be storms. It happens. But your family, it's worth fighting for. It's worth it. Let me go back to Nehemiah 1.9 for a second. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. If you will fight, if you will put Christ back in the center, he will bring you back. I've seen it happen. You know, we talk about this what if fear. 
And I hear it all the time. We spoke a message on it, the what if fear. And God calls us to have an even if faith. But if you're in a place today where you say, what if my husband does it again? What if my wife does it again? What if I open up and they hurt me again? That's exactly where the enemy wants you to live. That's exactly where he wants you to stay. What if I I start coming back to church and the people are just fake and they gossip and they're not real, they're not authentic. It's just, they just want my money. What if they just want my money? That's what the enemy wants you to think. God's saying, you gotta have even if faith. Even if they do it, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna follow what the word of God tells me, not what the world tells you. To win this fight, we must first surrender. It all starts with repentance. Before Nehemiah replaced the first stone on the wall, before he lifted the first hammer, do you know what he did? God broke his heart for that city and for those people. But you know the first thing that Nehemiah did? He got on his face before the Lord. And he repented. He prayed. Before he recruited any help, before he started on the gates, before he started on the wall, before he did anything, he got honest with God. One, five through six tells us, and I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. The very first thing that Nehemiah does is repent. How many of you have made a mistake in your life? How many of you made a mistake this morning? Today, yesterday, we all have. If you allow pride to prevent you from coming to repentance, you'll never grow and you'll never go the place that God's calling you to go. Let me talk to the men for a second. We have to take ownership and not be the victim. As Joshua said, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I truly believe for us to have a revival in our community and for us to have healing in our homes, it's going to have to start with the men. Now, ladies, I'll get to you here in just a second. But it's going to have to start with us. God has called us to be the spiritual leaders in our home. If you go back to the beginning and you think about sin, you think about Eve. I don't think the sin started with Eve. I think it started with Adam. He didn't fight for his wife. He just let it happen when he should have been fighting. I think it's time for us as men to roll our sleeves up and make a decision that we're going to fight for our families. We're going to fight. And this is not in my notes, and I did it last service, and I'm going to do it again now. But if you're in this room and you're a husband, you're a dad, you're a young man that desires to be a husband or a dad someday, if you're here right now this morning, I want to ask you, 
if you're willing to take a stance and fight for your family, the family you have now or the family moving forward, would you stand up right now and make a bold decision that you're going to fight for your family, you're going to be the spiritual leader in your home? Ladies, this is where you better give your husbands a hand. I want you to stay. Guys, stay standing up. Stand up, men. Stand up. Ladies, I want you to look around. Do you see these men here? Now I want you to pray for them. Ladies, I want you to let them be the spiritual leaders in your home. Do you hear me? Pray for them. Because guess what? They're going to make a mistake. But the first step in obedience to God and what he's calling us to do as men is to fight for our families. And it's time we roll our sleeves up and fight, men. Amen? Y'all sit down. You look weird. If you'll learn three words, it'll change the temperature in your home. Those three words are very simple, I am sorry. Or if you're really country, it's just I'm sorry. (laughs) When I learned these three words in my family, it changed my family. It changed the temperature in my home. Do you know how many times, and I'm your pastor, how many times till today I have to look at my wife and go, Shelly, I'm sorry. I messed up. Sally, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Do you know how many times I have to look at my son and say, son, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have raised my voice. I should have listened to you when you were talking. Son, I'm sorry. I should have put work aside. I was focused more on what I had to do than what was on your plate, and I'm sorry. Do you know how many times I have to say that? That is not a sign of weakness, men. Women. No. It's a sign of wisdom. It's time for us to fight from our knees. When I was probably, I don't know, maybe I was 13, 14 years old, I was being a knucklehead. Can you imagine me being a knucklehead? Towards my dad. My dad was just a statue of a man. He was my hero, my dad. He was everything to me. And I had watched my dad fight grown men. I'm talking about knuckle up, fight. And come out the winter, my dad was tough. But this day, I saw my dad fight from his knees. It wrecked me. He hit his knees and he cried out, Son, God's got a plan for you, but you're getting off path. And if you stay on that path, It's not going to end well. You better get right. And I saw my dad fight for me from his knees. Men, you want to make a difference in your family with your kids? Get on your knees before God and before them and fight for them. Our fight is not with each other. That's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants you to be in an argument before you pull out of this parking lot. He wants you mad because your burger wasn't cooked good enough. No pressure, guys, that are cooking back there. We got to fight for our family's church. We have to fight by being a doer of the word. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. 
So how do we apply the word of God? So how do we apply this word in our home? You say, okay, Tim, it's great. I make a decision. I'm standing up. I'm going to be the spiritual leader. I'm going to fight for my family. How do I apply this word into my home? Ask yourself this question. What does love look like in your home? What does love look like in your home? 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not eagerly angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But you will. You'll make mistakes. But it doesn't mean you're a failure. No. You roll your sleeves up, you dig down, and you get back at it. What does grace look like in your home? Well, let's go to the word, Romans 5.20. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What does respect look like in your home? Ask yourself these questions. What does respect look like in your home today? What did respect look like in your home last night? Is it mutual or is it one-sided? Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Ephesians 5.21, Submit to one another, to one another, out of reverence for Christ. If you don't want to do it for you or you don't want to do it for your spouse, do it for God. James 1.19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. This is one that I had to work on. You know, for some of you today, you may almost feel like you're fighting a battle without any ammunition. Or maybe you felt like you, you had it at one time, but you just almost feel like you're out of ammunition. It's like you're running out of bullets. You don't know what you're going to do. Our weapon is not physical, church. It's not against each other. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 tells us, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. World or word. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they are. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, for way too long, I've witnessed many Christians trying to fight a spiritual battle with physical means. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, someone rejects you, reject them back. Someone talks negative about you, you talk negative back to them. Someone's mean to you, you're mean to them. Someone holds a grudge to you, you hold a grudge back. Oh, 
That's, that's what the world depicts that we're supposed to do, not what the Word depicts. Say, well, they don't deserve to be forgiven. Did you deserve to be forgiven? Did you really deserve the forgiveness? Because I know I didn't. I didn't deserve the forgiveness that Jesus so freely extended to me, but he gave it anyway. Your spouse may not deserve the forgiveness, but you give it anyway. I heard Pastor Rick say one time that unforgiveness is almost like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. I mean, have you thought about that? Who is the unforgiveness hurting? Is it hurting you or is it hurting the person? Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the, it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. The word of God. The other thing that you have to understand, it's important that you understand, is you don't have to fight this battle alone. You know, Nehemiah didn't rebuild the wall around Jerusalem by himself. No, he brought people in. The battle that you're going through today, you don't have to fight yourself. Why do you think that we have these cookouts and that we have these opportunities to come together? I mean, honestly, that's probably a pretty good burger, but you can probably get a better one at David's up the road. It'll be better than McDonald's, I'm sure, but you know what I mean. (laughs) No, we do it to allow you guys an opportunity to fellowship and to hang out. I don't know what I would do without my life group. I'm serious. I rely on those guys. I'm looking at them right here. Ron, Mandy. I'm seeing people in my life group. Aaron, Dusty. Guys, that hold me accountable. We need people in our life that'll be honest with us. We say, well, I don't have that. Hang around and get a burger. Find a place, get plugged in and serve. You know, we spent three weeks talking about who we are as a church and the importance of getting connected and serving. This weekend, we had a cookout, a a fish fry for our baptism team because all the work that they do and our ushers and our deacons. I was standing right over there next to the door. Let me just say this. That is the slowest baptismal team I've ever saw in my life. I mean, it took them like an hour to set this. I'm like, what are you? No. They're not just setting up a baptism. No, they're doing life together. They're praying for each other. They're getting together after church. They're hanging out. They're holding each other accountable. It's a life group disguised as a serve team. It's a life group. We have to have people in our life That'll encourage us. You say, well, Nehemiah rebuilt the wall in 52 days. No, he didn't. No. If Nehemiah tried to build that wall by himself, it would have taken him years, or he may have never finished. Because although the story tells us that Nehemiah was doing the encouraging, I can't help but think there had to be some days that even Nehemiah was tired. And the guy next to him said, come on, we can do this. When we make the decision to roll up our sleeves and fight for our families, there's going to be days when you feel like you're you're just swinging in the air. We need people around us. And you know what else? Your children are watching. 
Your children are watching and seeing how you handle conflict. They're watching and learning how you handle your emotions, how you respond. How you handle loss. They're learning. They're also learning how to have fun and enjoy life. Ecclesiastes 8.15 tells us, have fun and enjoy life. Have some fun. I said, well, I'm a Christian now. I can't have fun. Bull. Have fun. Act silly. We We were having lunch at a local restaurant just this past week, lunch or dinner. And we were sitting there, and I don't know why. We were, my wife and I, we were just acting silly. I just reaned over and gave her five in the middle of the restaurant. And the waiter comes running up. He's about this tall. He comes running up. He pulls his mask off. He reaches in his pocket. He pulls out a red nose, sticks it on his nose, and goes, I can't make this stuff up, man. We laughed. We gave him five. And then he got serious for a second. He said, I want you to have fun in here and enjoy life. There's enough worries outside. Life's too short not to have joy. And he walks off. I'm like, this little old dude just preached to me. Enjoy life. Kiss your wife in front of the kids. I'm telling off on myself, Cody. We used to make, we used to wait till he would come in the room. I'd lean over and kiss him. He'd be like, oh, that's gross, Dad. Do it again. He didn't say that, but I know that's what he was thinking. I wish y'all could have seen his face. That was great. I just seen if you were paying attention to your dad's sermon today. That was awesome. Man, I should have got a picture. <laughs> have fun, church. Be there for each other. Lift each other up. And kids, honor your parents. Honor your parents. There will be a day that you too may become a husband or a wife. You may have kids. And then you may make your first mistake. That was a joke. It didn't go over as well as I thought. Honor your parents. And guys, let's make a stand. Let's make a stand in our community. Let's make a stand in our homes. Let's make a stand in our families. Just as Joshua 24, 15 says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? I'm going to ask you guys to please bow your heads for just a moment. You know, a few moments ago, I I challenged the men in the room to take a stand to fight for your families, to make a decision that from this day forward, You're going to make this word priority. We talk about these personal relationships with Christ, the importance of having authentic relationships with one another and with Christ followers. There may be somebody here today that you've never experienced that. And you don't know what that authentic personal relationship is or what it looks like. I never want to leave here on a Sunday without giving you the opportunity to make that decision. 
So before we go any further, I do just want to ask this. If you're here today and you would say, you know what, Tim, I've never made that personal decision to invite Christ into my life and to forgive me of my sins. And I feel the Holy Spirit telling me that today is the day, that now is the time. Or maybe you made that decision many years ago, but if you were honest, you would say, you know what, I've, I've drifted off course. I've allowed this season or the last year to kind of get me off my game, and I've been more focused on the world instead of focusing on the Word. If that's you and you're here this morning, either one of those two, no one looking around, I just want to pray for you. So if that's you and you want to make a decision for the first time or you want to rededicate your life this morning, if that's you, would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? No one looking around. Just keep it up for just a moment. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Keep it up until I see you, please. After I see you, you can put it down. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Okay, you can put your hands down. I want to ask another question. Earlier, I challenged the men in this room to take a stand to fight for their family. Well, I'm going to ask everyone now. If you would say, you know what? It's time that I start fighting for my family. Maybe you've let your guard down and you've been more focused on the world than the word. Or maybe you just, for whatever reason, there's not a lot of grace in your home. There's not a lot of forgiveness. If that's you and you just say, God, I just need you back in the center of my life. I, I, just, I just need to come back. Maybe it's just two degrees to get back on track. If that's you, I just want to pray for you. Would you slip your hand up so I can see you? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. Keep it up until I see you, please. Yes, ma'am. I got you. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. I got you. In the back. Yes, ma'am. I got you. Thank you, Lord. If you made a decision this morning, yes, ma'am, I got you. Anyone else? We're in no hurry. Yeah, I got you, buddy. Holy Spirit, have your way. We're about to pray, but if you're here this morning and you may be dealing with something physical, maybe it's a health issue, maybe you got a diagnosis, like Jake said, this week that's not the best. If you're here and, and you need prayer for healing, listen, church, I want to be honest with you. I, God has not given me the gift of healing. But God's in the business of miracles, and he does have it. If you're here and you need healing in your body for anything, would you stand up? Be bold. 
Yes. Yes. Church, I want you to look up for just a second. I want you to see those that are standing. Do you see those that are standing? The word God says where two or more are gathered, there I am. I want everybody to stand. If there's someone around you that just stood up, needs a miracle in their, mind, in their body, I want you to reach out to them. And then I want you to pray with me. Father, this morning we come before you, and God, we pray for healing in the body of every person that stood up and said that they need a miracle today. God, we believe that we serve a God of miracles. So, Father, right now, I pray that you move in. God, I pray that you heal every person that stood up and said, God, I need you. I need you right now in my life. They may feel like that they're facing immeasurable odds, Father, but they're not with you. So, God, right now, we pray for healing over each one of them. God, for those that raised their hand today and said, I want to make you the king of my life. They may have made a decision for the very first time to give their life to you, or they may have made a decision to rededicate their life. Or they may be listening in right now, driving down the road inside of their car, and it may be weeks since I've spoken this message. God can work a miracle right there where you're at at that moment. So, Father, for those, I just pray that they ask you to move in. Say, Father, forgive me of my sins. From this day forward, Father, I want to focus on you and what you're calling me to. I let the past be the past, Father, and I move in right now and ask you to be the boss of my life. Be the director. Be the author. Father, give me direction in everything that I do and forgive me of my sins. For everyone that raised their hand and said, you know what, I just need God to show up. It may be in your marriage, it may be in your finances, it may be in your daily walk with him, it may just be getting back and some time with your personal time with him. I don't know why they raise their hands, Father, but you do. So God, right now, I pray that you move in, that you encourage their heart. God, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, Father, I pray that you begin to soften their heart right now. I pray for divine relationships, Father God. I pray for appointments with people that will tell the truth. I speak against the world and what the world says that our lives are supposed to look like, God, and we come to you and your word and your promises and your truth and your faithfulness. Father, we love you. We need you. We've got to have you right now. If we're going to experience a revival in our homes, if we're going to experience a revival in our community, it has to start right now. So, Father, this day, moving forward, we're going to fight for our families. We're going to fight with your word. We're not going to fight by the ways that the world tells us to fight. No, Father, we're going to fight from our knees. We're going to get transparent with the people around us that have our best interests at heart. And, Father, we are believing for miracles in this room today. It is in Jesus' mighty, beautiful name we pray. Amen and amen. Could you guys give God a hand today? Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision for Christ or could use prayer for any area of your life, please let us know. All you have to do is text Greenbrier to 88000 and click on Connect Card. Be sure to join us next week. 